Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Tennessee Power Hour is here. Outkick 360 is back. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. Big thanks to David Reed, the chairman of the board, and Jacob Swanson, who always makes the show happen for us. Talking Titans draft to begin the Tennessee Power Hour, but we will get to the Tennessee Vols and the Nashville Predators, among other things. And a quick reminder that FanDuel.com slash OK360 is where you can place a bet for $5 and win $100 if you bet that Trevor Lawrence is the number one overall pick. Again, $5 wins you $100. FanDuel.com slash OK360. And from the number one pick to the 22nd overall pick, yesterday we had the discussion uh, and the draft exercise of three drafts for the top 100 picks for the Titans and which one we felt like fit this team and brought some instant starting ability to some positions of need. I went with option A. You can go to our Twitter account, at Outkick360, for all three options. I went with B. But with the one we did not like the most is the one that had the best response on social media. Hutton and I didn't like it. Chad hated it. Hated it. Option C, as we quickly review this, this is what the Titans fans and the public at Outkick360 chose as the best option of the three with Rashad Bateman as the wide receiver selection at number 22. Kelvin Joseph, uh, a, a talented defensive back. Rashad Weaver, who is uh, beginning to receive more and more talk for the top three rounds of this draft and Brady Christensen, an offensive tackle who Paul admitted whenever he selected this mock, was just the best offensive tackle available from the group. There were not many to select from, and that, that's part of the issue here. It's not a deep class for, for what we were discussing, Paul, yesterday. If there's a run ahead of pick number 100, you guys surprised? that that one won out over some of the other talented groups? A lot of the reactions I saw was B. It kind of surprised me that I, you guys went A, right? I went A. I went, I went B a. first. It, it surprised me that um, so many people were going with B, even though that was the one that I, I like because both you guys went with A. Uh, yes, that surprised me because C, to, to me, was far and dead last. <laughs> of those options. And I think for me it was mainly because I'm not a, a huge and so, fan of Bateman. And so it was option A had Quiddy Pay, an edge rusher at, at, at number 22 overall. And Hunter Long was a tight end. Diami Brown, um, the wide receiver, Robert Rochelle, the cornerback. That was A. B was Barmore, uh, Eric Stokes, the cornerback, Amari Rogers, the Clemson receiver, and Brevin Jordan, uh, the Miami tight end. And C won out. And uh, we, we grant you permission to outvote us. C wins uh, the, the latest exercise at OutKick360. Uh, which brings us to today's discussion on will they be there at 22? There, there's a, a, a lot of different mocks, and you're going to see everyone from Bateman to Elijah Moore to Quiddy Pay to Zaven Collins at, at 22 overall. 
of a group that I feel like gives the Titans plenty of options to trade down in this draft. So let, let's run through many of the, the mock consensus players for pick number 22 overall, which you're about to see on your screen. And let's just run through these guys, and you tell me if you honestly think they're available at 22. Let's see how many of this group we think will be there. And that should determine some great options for trading down for this Tennessee Titans team. Let's say, I I think this is more of a, uh, let me just say, for me, more of a gut feeling thing. Like, I'm not considering, oh, so-and-so is picking at 18, and I think they're taking, you know what I mean? I haven't looked at this list and plotted out a mock or anything. Zayvon Collins is my pick for 22. Uh, But the more and more, uh, as we near this draft, I don't think he's available at 22. I think his traits and his athleticism and the the ability to play multiple positions um, make him extremely valuable on defense in the first round. For all the mocks that have him going at the bottom of the first, I think there will be a team that trades up to draft Zayvon Collins. I think that he's there at 22. Uh, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say because of the needs of so many of the teams in front of the Titans at 22, I think that uh, I don't think anyone's trading up to get him. I, I think he's there for the Titans if they want him at 22. Paul, break the tie. I think he's there. Uh, okay, I think so he's we'll available. Add him to the list. I think uh, just my big thing on Collins, I, I think too many teams, uh, this goes against what I'm saying, too many yeah. teams get too carried away with the, too, the versatility. You have to have a spot to start and play the guy. I mean, some draft books have him as an inside linebacker, and then there are former coaches who will tell you this guy is perfect as an outside linebacker in a 3-4. I think you wash him away if you say, we're going to bring this guy in and play him all over. I think you ruin him. I, I think I you've got to start the, no, him no, no, and no, use him somewhere. I'm not saying I'm not suggesting you, you draft him and you play him all over. I'm suggesting that any defensive coordinator can get the most out of him because you can find a spot for him. On your defense. Think about well, here's Isaiah what I Simmons. do. I take Isaiah a hole Simmons. in my Isaiah Simmons Arizona. is the example. Isaiah Simmons in Arizona. Is they he ruined him last year. Is he a linebacker? Are you going to play? I don't know where you're playing him based on if you're 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 down in distance and and your 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 sub packages. I just know he's on the field. For but he him. had a terrible year last year because they didn't know where they were playing. Well, but the the athleticism and the the discussion that year was where right. what position is he? And my contention with Zayvon Collins is he can play several different positions out of what the coordinator wants to do. I agree with the that. Philosophy. But here's, here's how I want a team to draft, particularly the Titans. They have several holes in their depth chart. I want them to see this hole and pick somebody that's going to fill that hole. Well, this is, this is a pass rusher for the Titans. Th- this, I, this, I hope so. This fills the pass rush role. I hope so. But I think there are other guys on this list who are pure pass rushers. And some are more 4-3 guys, though. We're, we're going to get to that. Let's go back to Collins, though, quickly, because uh, I would say a defensive playmaker is a hole for this team. Yes. So that that does fill a hole. It could fill two holes for you yeah, because you've got pass rusher and defensive playmaker. Defensive playmaker isn't a depth chart spot. Um, defensive tackle, Christian Barmore. Paul, is he there at 22? I have a tough time. I'm going to say he's gone. It's a bad defensive tackle draft. Yes. And he's the singular guy amongst defensive tackles. I think he's gone. I think he's there. I think he's there. I, I, this is one where um, 
I'm a little. We talked about what's news and what's not. The the, the story in the Athletic that he, uh, I forget the way it's exactly worded, but basically that he's not very coachable. I think that's a problem because that's coming from Saban, if I had to guess, or someone at Alabama. And I don't think that uh, Saban or a coach at Alabama saying that about a prospect with the amount of guys they put in the NFL we saw him start is, necessarily, six games. is yeah. necessarily a good thing. Here's what over, seven here's, games his entire Here's career. what trumps that. Uh, a, people think they coach him. B, and C, size and sca- positional scarcity. I'm going to say that he's there at 22. Yeah. Up next, on the graph, if we could put it back up. There we go. Caleb Farley. Um, some consider him a top five to seven overall talent, just pure talent in this draft. But the injury concerns, there's a list of them. There are plenty of injury concerns. And most recently, he had surgery on his back, uh, a microdisectomy to help with some pain in his back. But he's had a torn ACL in his past. He's had other prior back issues. Do, do the medical concerns, especially this year, force Caleb Farley down the board? And, and I brought him up earlier, about a month ago, discussing with you guys if this could be a Jeffrey Simmons-like player falling down the board where the value is just so great on the athleticism and the skill set that he's there for the Titans at 22. I think he's there as of 12.19 p.m. on Tuesday. I think he's there, and I think he's the guy. Uh, And I suspect he's ready a lot earlier than – I mean, I think he'll be ready for the season. I think he is long gone at 22. Someone is going to love him because he may be the best corner in this draft uh, if completely healthy. He's got every trait. I understand the injuries. I just feel like, call it a, a gut instinct, someone is going to be okay with the medical and draft him before the Titans could get him at 22. I'm, I'm conflicted on him. I, I'm very I, conflicted. I think a team is going to fall in love with his pure athleticism. But keep in mind, he opted out last year. and A lot of injuries. A ton of injuries, health concerns, and he just had the, the back issues. For a team that is desperate for starting talent and for a team that needs to hit on the draft, is that is that the way you're going? You're, you're going with the guy yeah, who I think has the team had that a might lengthy, fall in love injury, with him. lengthy injury history. Um, you think he's there? I, I think he's there, but I, I wouldn't draft him. I would not draft him at 22 overall. Uh, but this is a, uh, the exercise we're doing because I, I think we're going to end up with the majority of these players available. I've got a lot of time to change my mind before Thursday um, on the pick. We go to Aziz Ojolari, who we have not discussed much out of Georgia, quite possibly the best pure pass rusher in this draft. But I, I, I put him on the board because of all of the offense we could see high through the top 15 picks. If the quarterbacks go where they're quote-unquote slotted right now, we know three of them are going top three. Uh, but if we see a lot of movement there, if we see a lot of maneuvering for offensive tackle, or if we see you know Barmore or others because of the position scarcity, is Ojalari available at the edge spot? Chadwick, I I don't want to tip our our next one on the list. Well, if you're watching, you can see it. But for those listening, um, three pass rushers here. I don't think all three of them are there, so I've got to cut one of them and say they're not going to be there. I think it's Ojolari. 
that's not there. I think the other two in Collins and the next name on the list we're going to get to will both be available at 22. But Ojolari, I, I believe, is the most polished, ready-made guy at pass rusher in this draft. I don't think his ceiling is as high as the two other guys on this list. Okay. But I think he's ready to start in the NFL and make an impact. So for that reason, I think Ojolari is off the board at 22. Paul? I think he's there. I do, too. I think we can see. I think we do see Aziz Ojolari available. I think at he's very attractive. If he is Titans. there, the Titans should take him. Uh, I think 22. he's very attractive for the I Titans. like him, and we have not discussed him enough uh, because, again, we we go by these consensus mocks that have him going somewhere between 13 and 18. Um, you know, and yeah, Chicago's there, and there, there are some other teams that are are pass rush needy, but that gets us to to Jalen Phillips. If you notice, Aziz Ojolari is listed as an edge. Jalen Phillips is a defensive end. He is a 4-3 end in this draft. And because of that specialty, I think he's gone. I think he's gone. He's got some concussion issues. He had some troubles at UCLA. But I've read a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff that makes him sound like the best pass rusher, uh, most accomplished pass rusher perhaps in, in this draft. I think he's there. I think two of the three are going to be there with Collins, uh, Phillips, and Ojolari. And I, I think that he's going to be there and available for the Titans at 22. I just don't think he fits. I don't, I don't think it's a pick for the Titans, but I think that he's going to hang around because of that concussion history. Elijah Moore, wide receiver from Ole Miss. Um, you know, as early as uh, Monday of this week, reports were he was the fourth wide receiver on big boards across the league. If that's the case, he's not there at 22. I think he's there, even if he's the fourth wide receiver. I think he's there. I think a lot of the uh, back to the news or not news discussion we had earlier, but a lot of the mock drafts last week shifted to Elijah Moore for the Titans at 22. And a lot of those same people had him in the second round before that. And then jumping all the way to 22. So he is a uh, fast riser, as they say, mm -hmm. getting ready for the draft. I think he's there, though, at 22. I think he's gone. It, 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 you know, I'm, I guess that's me buying into the reports that you know, after the two Alabama wideouts and Chase, that he's the next best off the board. And if Chase is going top six, and we're going to see Waddle in the top ten, and Devontae Smith is a top 12, top 13 player, then Elijah Moore is going to go before the Titans select at 22, if he's the fourth. A fourth, a fourth. A fourth. Uh, finally, Tevin Jenkins. I'll start this one off. And I'm going to – and I, I, this will lead to a different answer for a different segment we'll have this week. But Tevin Jenkins <laughs> is not going to be available at 22 because I think the Indianapolis Colts will select him at 21. And he will help in pass protection for the Colts moving forward. Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, not available at 22. He will be available at 22, and I pray the Titans do not take him because I want them to avoid offensive tackle in the first round for a second straight year after Isaiah Wilson, even if it's completely illogical. Uh, my emotions tell me they should not make that move in back-to-back -back years, but I do think that he is available for the Titans at 22. I, too, think he will be there. I think uh, Indianapolis in front of them could go offensive line, could go past rusher, Cosme, uh, the USC kid possibilities, uh, as well as Jenkins if they uh, if they go 
offensive line. I think he'll be there. I pray he's not the choice. I know what list you're putting him on. <laughs> I, uh, I don't. I, I'll say you guys can choose him if you'd like. Uh, I think I, I think he'll be a unanimous choice yeah, on that be. list, and then we go all go elsewhere. You know, you know who the Colts are going to draft? They're just because I saw this guy's name in his profile and thought, this is a, a Colts, Colts offensive lineman, Liam Eichenberg. From Notre Dame. That is a Colts name. You mark it down right now. Liam Eichenberg is the pick at 21 for the Colts. It came to me in a dream. The first time I read that name, I thought, I can see this guy with that horseshoe helmet on uh, playing offensive tackle for the Indianapolis Colts. Not a bad call. You heard it here first. Liam Eichenberg will be a Colt. I think if some of these defensive uh, edge rushers, Collins, O'Jalary, Phillips, uh, are there, they would be attractive for the Colts as well. They're counting on some risers, and Justin Houston remains out there for them to potentially re-sign, but they need some help on both lines. So That's a good exercise. Of right this there. group. There's a lot of options. So what was all the consensus? But, uh, the consensus was all but Barmore. Uh, we, we think we'll be, we'll be gone. <laughs> we outvoted Chad on that. Uh, everyone else, there was at least two votes for – each player on the board that we think they will be available at pick 22. So how do say you that again. How many do we have there? So we have seven, how many there? We have eight. seven there. <laughs> we have a we have seven, seven. who are going to be. I'm there. looking up at the, the screen far away here. That's seven impossible. Players. To to, to uh, I mean, we need more gone so that we can actually make a pick. <laughs> Well, we don't have to make the pick. My, my point is we the value. The value for the for the pick. That's a trade down scenario, right? Yes, there. yes. Absolutely. Um, because drop down five and, picks, get another pick. And I, I I do find extreme value in trying to turn four four of your top one hundred into six picks within your top one hundred thirty five or one hundred forty picks, whatever it might be, especially this year. And if you have the pod of these these type players. Who we could all see starting for the Tennessee Titans in, in some manner. Um, that that's great value for the Titans this year based on their need. And we just specifically mentioned wide receiver, pass rusher, and corner. And we threw in an offensive tackle as well. But look, I, I would be entertaining all kinds of offers for that pick if I'm John Robinson. And I will say, and you guys could disagree with me, uh, and you may well. Please do if you do. I mean, you've got the edges there, right? Farley, I think we, we agree. The reason we're including him is because after him, I don't know, maybe Newsom we could have included here. But after them, uh, there's some drop-off to the next tier of corners. I think Elijah Moore is a very good player. But I could see where Kadarius Toney is considered the same class of player. I could see where Rondale Moore is considered the same class of player. And that that would be a team-by-team, team, how do you sort these three guys out who are all of similar ilk, yeah. right? They are, are uh, short-area quickness guys who are going to be able to run after the catch, make people miss, and do some damage. The kind of guy the Titans need lining up in the slot who could go outside also but do some damage. Uh, you know, something totally different than Adam Humphreys, who's going to add an explosive element to your offense. Those three guys, that's why, you know, if Elijah Moore's there, are you thinking that Tony and Rondale Moore are also there? Yes. If, well, if I could have my choice of those three guys in a trade down and I have them bunched, 
I'd trade down if I'm looking receiver there very easily. Um, without knowing the rest of the draft, we need to we need to say that ahead of time because we're about to get Chad's reaction. If these players are available at 22, Chad, on Thursday night, and Jenkins is the pick over the talent you see on the screen. Your reaction on Friday as we start the show is going to be what? They're going to have to get a new camera in front of me because I'm going to break it live on air. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to throw it out in the street. I'm going to throw it across the street to the Funky Griddle, which is across the street from our studio here. Uh, full toss, oh. and that's that's going to be the reaction. I'll be right with you. I mean, I, it, I will be very angry in the failure in roster construction with this team. I mean, the ripple effect, and Robinson kind of indicated, like, listen, I've, se- I've, answered, I've answered the Isaiah Wilson question. No, you haven't. If you make this pick, John, don't expect that Thursday night that name's not coming up again. And again and again and again. And I hope this guy, uh, Tevin Jenkins, is strong-willed because he's going to hear about Isaiah Wilson again and again and again. And it's not fair to him, but you've put him in that spot. Because if you draft back-to-back right tackles – Right tackles at 29 and 22, that is a major failure in roster construction. You have to, listen, you did it with Pac-Man Jones, the Titans did. Pac-Man Jones, he played all right for a while for you, but ultimately that pick busted in a similar way. The guy flamed out. He got suspended by the league and you had to get rid of him. And you found Cortland Finnegan in the seventh round who played damn good cornerback for you and made up for it. You have to do that with Isaiah Wilson, I think. You have to make up for him. You have to make up for him with Kendall Lamb and Ty Sambrello for right now. Sambrello, I still met Sambrello. Sambrello. You have to make up for him with that for now. And with a mid-range draft pick or an undrafted rookie or somebody off somebody else's practice squad or whatever. Or Lamb needs to be good enough. But if you make up for your failure with a first-round draft pick by saying, well, we're just going to use another first-round draft pick, to me, I mean, you're doubling up on failure. I shockingly completely agree with Paul on this one. Totally agree. No, nothing to add. Thank you. Coming up, the dilemma with Caleb Farley and the Preds with a big win last night and what it sets up for with the rest of the week schedule-wise and the team that they're battling in the standings, Dallas. That's all straight ahead on the Tennessee Power Hour on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Paul, the dilemma of Caleb Farley with the the injury history, and you were alluding to it uh, about 10 minutes ago, but you feel like he'll be ready for week one. Well, I I haven't looked into it as much as I need to, but I I think... uh, the surgery that he had doesn't scream out to me, um, <clears throat> you know, the long, long rehab of, a, of an ACL, a February ACL like Jeffrey Simmons had that cost him the first six or seven weeks of the season. Um, <clears throat> the one thing is I, I had some people on Twitter saying, you know, would you rather take a, a guy with nagging injuries like Newsom or a guy with one injury like Farley? Farley hasn't had one injury. Farley has a torn ACL from 2017, had uh, a couple uh, ankle injuries in two seasons subsequent to that. 
uh, had back spasms that led to uh, a back surgery prior to this back surgery and now has had this back surgery. So he's got a long injury history, this one most concerning, obviously. And then, as we've talked about, um, you know, did the Titans doctors see him or, or not? And I think that's a, a, a big deal w pertaining to the most recent back surgery. If, in fact, he was at the first weekend of April um, medical checks in Indianapolis. I didn't even raise that issue, but he's about a month removed from back surgery. Was he equipped to hop on a plane and go to Indianapolis for the medical checks? And we should mention he's young. I mean, he's, he's a two-year player at Virginia Tech. He opted out of his junior season. He's an early entrant. He's only played two years at corner. And I believe the ACL goes back to high school. I, mean, I think now, it might have been his freshman year. Nowadays, okay. now, nowadays uh, and I've got it listed here as a 2017 ACL. Yeah. Um, so, it, that, I mean, that's uh, usually pretty airtight, but you still, a team wants to tug on that, make sure it was done, redone well, all of that. Sure. Of that so, but so, the back's the thing. Uh, and the back, he's had back spasms, and uh, he's had the, the procedure that was done in 2020. Again, like I, I, and I'm specifically looking through the lens of the Titans and, and the, the athleticism, the traits, top tier talent. They don't have the luxury of the Jeffrey Simmons year right here. It's not like you're drafting him and, oh, Jarrell Casey's here too. They don't have the luxury of last year where you're drafting Isaiah Wilson and, oh, you have a, a, a guy who has started games for you the previous season and Dennis Kelly that's playing ahead of him in case you need some time to get him acclimated. If he checks out, though. This if he's ready. He's got he's to start. If he checks out and you were available at Indianapolis and you have everything set in stone with your medicals, and he drops to you at 22, it is extreme value because yeah, this is this is a guy who's not playing the slot. He's playing outside man-to-man -man He's corner. a top-flight But you think he, he needs to be, check out and be ready for training camp to yes. pull the trigger? Yeah, they don't have three starting corners right, right. now. Right. No. They think they do. They are in they dire. Don't. No, they don't. They cannot. They cannot believe that. Uh, they shouldn't. Whether they do or they don't, they shouldn't. Uh, they, they have to get a starting corner in this draft. Um, they're going to be hurting, day. drastically opening, hurting, opening if they don't. Opening day stuff. Um, th that, that would solve a huge need for them at 22. But again, like I, I would the, love it. There's a huge question mark. A huge question mark, and it's a gamble. And it, it, is it a gamble you can take this year at the position? It's a gamble that paid off with Jeffrey Simmons. They had to wait on him. You're right. They had he players play there where they could seven. do it. They had players where they could do it. But it's it's paid off in the long run. This is a game. It's not as much of a gamble as you were saying he's going to be ready for the start of the season I, by draft. I mean, uh, to me, Jeffrey Simmons has not yet shown that he's the 19th pick in the draft. He's on a good course. He's on a good trajectory. But because, because of the big plays that he makes, people are like, ooh, Big Jeff, Big Jeff. Big Jeff needs to get his ass in the backfield once in a while on a passing play. We haven't seen enough of that. Now, I'm sure Autry's going to help and Dupree's going to help because people can't exclusively focus on Jeffrey Simmons. But second year, well, first round pick, I wanted to see him in the backfield more. He wasn't back there. Very good run defender. It makes, makes some big plays, you know. But closer sometimes to Rashawn Evans in his limitations than 
to Jarrell Casey, who was a do-everything defensive defensive lineman. I'm ready for a lot more in year three. You're, you're Paul, drafting. If you, if you can't see the value of Jeffrey Simmons <laughs> on the field, then you, I just can't help you. You just don't know. He's football. a good player. He's I'm not kidding, a great, of course. This is what everyone player. said about right. Clowney he's, with the Titans. He's not a great player yet. He has a potential he's not to be great a great yet player. because he, has he hasn't potential. been consistent enough week right. in, week out. And he needs um, to do more in the password. And, and Farley's, the microdisectomy is, it's like a two-month recovery process. Okay. My only question with that is, are you concerned about the injury history and this being the next thing next in thing. line and what comes with that? that that's the only, that, that's the big question mark with him. With the, every year you can find an injury to I'm, to. I'm scared of that too, but I think... I also think, like, you're right at that spot at 22. And, I, and I'm totally with you. This is not the year you can mess with it. But it might be too good to be true at, at sure. 22 if you have them eight on your board healthy. I, again, I, I think many, many teams may have him very high, uh, but pass on him because of the uncertainty of – and we don't know if the Titans had their medical personnel right. Look at him. with him or not. Or if he was just a part of the pool, we won't know yeah, this that might until be a we situation, get the draft picks. This might be a situation, frankly, where their problem is best solved for them by somebody Maybe. taking him ahead of them. Maybe, um, and and again, some someone may very well trade up for the athletic. Or just of somebody in front of them might might take him. Everybody needs corner, right? I mean, you know, they're judging that against uh, against other needs, but. They're, you're going to be hard-pressed to find many teams in the 21 spots ahead of the Titans that don't need a cornerback. Big game tonight for the Nashville Predators. They're all big at this point, but they won last night. And now as we check out the standings across the NHL, you'll notice the two-point lead for the Predators over the Dallas Stars. That's a big win because of Dallas's win, right? Right. And Dallas could have passed them. Well, and now you, you have the back-to-back -back for the Predators, and we'll get the standings up in just a moment. You have the back-to-back -back for the Predators, uh, where Reed can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure if they've announced who's starting in net tonight, if it's going to be UC Saros or Pekka Rene. But typically, you have in a back-to-back -back David Poyle and John Hines, and we saw this with Peter Laviolette. Typically, you play both. You play Pekka. UC. UC Soros was last night, is Pekka tonight, or they stick with the hot hand with his UC Soros playing some of the best hockey we've seen uh, in net for this team and across the league. Um, so they have Florida tonight. Dallas has Carolina. It's a big game for Dallas as well because they're about to go to Tampa, and I believe it's 54 points for the Preds, 52 for Dallas. It may be 56-54. We'll get it up on the screen in a moment. But then... After tonight, the Preds have a layoff. They have a layoff until Saturday where they have a home game against the Dallas Stars in a must-win game. It's conceivable that you end up, if the Preds drop the next two, it's conceivable where Dallas comes to Nashville with a two-point lead over the Nashville Predators in a head-to-head -head matchup. Now, you can also say that it's very conceivable that Nashville holds a two-point lead over Dallas when they come in on Saturday. It's an extremely tough schedule for Dallas due to makeup games and due to the fact that all these games for Dallas are on the road. Uh, beyond that, though, this is the playoff race and, quite frankly, the playoffs before the playoffs even start. Nashville and Dallas head-to-head. -head. I think you go with Soros tonight because you have the layoff before the next game. You ride the hot hand, go back to him. They're all big now with six games left. 
Obviously, Saturday night's game at Bridgestone Arena against Dallas, huge. I think that's the route you got to go, though, because you got two against Columbus after that. You got two against Carolina. There, there are good teams left. They were able to beat a good team last night. That's a, that's a good sign, right? What we've we been asking for: beat someone good. <laughs> Don't just beat up on they Chicago. Did. They did, and they beat. They beat Florida last night. You're going to have to play Pekka in, uh, against Columbus somewhere in there, right, Dave? Well, he's not. The he, reason why he, you he doesn't with, seem very certain. You're not very certain about re- that. Saros is playing out of his mind. I know, but you got to rest him at some point, don't you? I don't know. He's a young guy. He doesn't have a lot of mileage on him. So if he's playing this consistent, I see you ride him until he shows you that he needs a break. And especially heading into the playoffs, you're fighting. This is the playoffs right now. Yes. You're in the playoffs right now. It's the same situation they were in last year. He's playing well. I say ride him until he comes to you and says, I need a break, or you see that on the ice. Last night's win was huge. If they could steal another one from Florida tonight and Carolina help out the Predators, that would be – that basically sets down Saturday night as a must-win game for you to get in the playoffs. And I think that place would be rocking – the capacity has been up, so there's going to be a lot more, more people there on Saturday night that have been there all season. So, But I think it's it's Soros until he shows you differently. And you can play him back-to-back if they so choose because you have the layoff till Saturday after tonight. I was looking for something about morning skate, uh, but I, I suspect I didn't, they didn't see it pop a, up. They didn't have a morning I didn't see skate, it pop up. And, uh, you know, and typically the, 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 their line of thinking would be they're going to play both goaltenders. So they may ro- roll out Pekka tonight for the Preds, but it is a it's a big one to watch and it's scoreboard watching. If they roll as Dallas him out takes on Carolina and he's bad and they lose, the second guessing will be off the off the hook. Yeah, uh, Soros playing great. And what's interesting too, uh, as the playoffs begin around the corner, um, if if the Preds can get in, Carolina is banged up. And if they were to have another injury or two, who knows what happens there. The Preds, theoretically, should be getting healthier. We should see Forsberg back soon. Uh, and the overall roster is healthier now than what it's been. So um, they can compete night in and night out, especially with what they're getting out of UC Soros. So we'll keep tabs on tonight's matchup. And again, it is a must-win status for the Preds against Dallas, which David Poyle, for the last two years, has measured his roster against Dallas's head-to-head. Even going back to uh, New Year's Day, when they when they uh, faced off in Texas, the Winter Classic, uh, they he measures the Preds against the Stars and the competitive nature of both of those franchises. I uh, can't wait to watch that game well, on Saturday a, here's night. Here's a good way to measure it: <laughs> who gets in the playoffs? Yeah, head-to-head battle. The Vols have another quarterback officially. We'll, we'll discuss that. Plus, Major League Baseball with an offensive problem. That's next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 in the Tennessee Power Hour. We're discussing all things Tennessee throughout the hour. Quick note, though, on the NFL draft. Uh, this from uh, NFL Update, who I follow on Twitter. Uh, is a great follow if you don't follow at NFL Update. Um, Florida tight end Kyle Pitts just said on NFL Network that he thinks the first four picks will be quarterbacks. That's interesting. Uh, instead of what you may think a player would say about his own draft stock. Huh? Uh, and, and he has said after his pro day last month that he thought the Falcons 
had real interest in him. And so the thought on this tweet was, not sure what's changed. Because his answer today was, I think the top four picks will be quarterbacks. I said this yesterday, but when that news got out that Julio Jones was on the market and they're taking calls for him, my first thought was, this is a team in win-later mode, not win-now mode. Well, or and teams they're trading a to four, or they're trading out of four. Well, they're, ta- they're, not, they're taking a quarterback was my first thought. Or they're thought. trading out of four. Yeah. And w- in which case, a, a team would be coming up to get a quarterback and right. not Kyle Pitts. Or maybe Kyle Pitts. I don't know. I mean, to me, Kyle Pitts, if he gets past uh, Atlanta, how do you pass up on him to pair with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati? Everyone's skipping ahead to Miami. But how do you not put those two together? Yeah. I said uh, Caleb Farley, I wasn't sure if he made the Indianapolis medical check. He did. So uh, I don't know if the Titans had their hands on him, but NFL people did. Chad, Joe Milton is official, officially hey, official as a quarterback for the University of Tennessee. He had, he, we, we knew before the spring game he had enrolled in, in courses at the University of Tennessee, but now that is official. He is on their roster. Yeah, it was weird when he came back and told a reporter, well, I haven't decided yet between Washington State in Tennessee. Oh, by the way, Jared Garantano's first pass as a Washington oh. State Cougar was picked off, <laughs> and then doctors immediately started checking his hand, and that was making the rounds while we were at the game on Saturday, the yeah. Legend White game, and all the Tennessee How's reporters were saying, boy, this is surprising to, to see this. Very first pass was picked off in the uh, Washington State Is he State okay? Is he game. okay? Uh, who knows? Check uh, in. I think it was probably a uh, mental problem that caused him to uh, – my hand, my hand. On the yeah, first. he threw a pick so uh, his hand started to hurt. My hand, my, I didn't see that safety looming over the top. Unfortunately for him and Washington State, the hand's still attached to his arm, which is attached to his body, which is attached to his brain. So there's the <laughs> So what Reed is saying is that's not the last of the picks that Washington and State fans will see from Jared To tie Garantano. it back into Joe Milton, Joe Milton now joins a quarterback room that could not beat out Jarrett Garantano yeah. that's last true. year. Yes, that's true. True. Well, at least one of them Hendon couldn't. Wasn't uh, that's there. The, well, Harrison Bailey, I guess, did too. Previous staff uh, that apparently loved Jarrett Garantano. Great practice, guy. Um, look, they're adding Joe <laughs> Milton because they uh, they need a quarterback, and that's the coaches saying we're not completely comfortable where we are at quarterback. So we're going to bring in a guy that was a, a top fifteen player of he was a top seven quarterback nationally mm-hmm. and a top fifty player nationally out of high school. A big-time prospect. Did some good things at Michigan, but accuracy was an issue at Michigan. So that's something to watch with him at Tennessee. But I would have to say, guys, if I'm handicapping it now, Joe Milton's your starter. I think they're bringing him in to work out with the team this summer and be the presumed starter when they get ready for fall camp. And I think they want him to win that job. Warmer weather will fix that accuracy, no problem. It's the Michigan cold that threw off his accuracy. We'll see. He's from uh, Pahokee, Florida, mm-hmm. originally. And uh, that's famous, Same chasing, chasing rabbits. You know, the, the football players there, they have a tradition of uh, catching rabbits, and that's where he's from. So I, I would think right now, if you're going to name a fan duel favorite for the starting quarterback at Tennessee, it's, it's got to be Joe Milton. Paul, what is the MLB batting average right oh, now? Wait to hear this, today? Chad. We were talking about this as I was watching the Yankees come up with pitiful, pitiful batting average after pitiful batting average yesterday. League-wide, you want to set it over-under for what you think batting it? Oh, I, I tw- texted it last night. Yeah, I read Major our Major League <laughs> Basketball. <laughs> like Paul, Paul reads it. He has no idea who sends anything. He's yeah. always like, Hutton, you sent this last night. I was like, that was me. Major again. League Baseball's batting average in its entirety <laughs> is 
two. Okay? The next lowest, this is for a full season, obviously. Next lowest was 1968, 237. You know what happened after the 1968 season? They lowered the mound. Let me read to you the lowest seasons before that. 1888. 1908. That was a weird year, though, 1888. Yeah. A lot of weird 1967, things which was the year before the year before they lowered the mound. 1884, 1885, 1909, 1972, an aberration, 1880, 1892, 1907, before we get to 2020. There is a major problem in Major League Baseball right now. Yeah, people can't hit. The pitching is really good. They've got to find solutions to this. Jeff Passan, a friend of our own show, has one very good suggestion. Fewer pitchers on a staff. You've got to leave pitchers in longer. You've got to stretch starters out longer. You can't go to the bullpen all the time because there aren't guys in the bullpen. You've got to make the staffs smaller and have pitchers stay in the game and figure things out once in a while. Face a batter a third time, a fourth time. Not be able to go to a specialist every time you're in a jam. Major League Baseball is going to continue to shrivel if people are hitting 232. I like a nice pitching matchup. I also like to see a damn guy get a damn hit. <laughs> <laughs> let me give you the let me give you the problem. They, Major League Baseball has a long ball problem, and it's not home runs being hit. It's the fact that every time someone comes to the plate, they're trying to hit a long ball, and people have forgotten the art of hitting. Go read something by Tony Gwynn about hitting. I watched the other night the, the Braves uh, Arizona Diamondbacks game, and I saw something beautiful. The Braves went to the shift. Guy for the Diamondbacks just bunted down the third baseline and walked more to first base. More of that, more of that, please. Oh, it, it was beautiful to watch an actual artistic piece of hitting to get on base and not just go up there and swing as hard as you can three straight times and go sit back in the Are dugout. The analytics I see way too to much of that. To swing away? I, well, the analytics, when you look at run production and batting average, it's going to start to shift the other way when guys are striking You've out. You've got to hit as against much the as shift they are. like that. Listen, I went all the way back to 2020, but the batting average in 2020, and that's a shortened season, obviously, was 245. It's 232 now. That is substantial difference. Uh, look, I don't want baseball from the 1800s. I mean, we've evolved, but apparently not. It's it's weird. It's troubling. Bring back. I, I, so Congrats to your Yankees, by the way, uh, losing to Hutton's yeah. Orioles last night. I'm watching night. with my sister last night, and I can't remember who was up. She said, this guy's hitting 164. rolled right past that. You know, so. <laughs> she said, this guy's hitting 164. And Gary Sanchez was on deck. I said, wait till the next guy comes up. Actually, Gary Sanchez Sanchez is all the way at 184, which I was surprised he was hitting that well. That's that's spectacular. Uh, Somebody wrote a column, one of the New York columnists today wrote a column that said, Gary Sanchez Sanchez needs to be a part-time player. And it it had just been posted, so I was only the fourth comment on it. I said, he needs to be a no-time player. He needs to be a player (laughs) for another team. I am done with this guy. Deal him and get what you can for him. I mean, how long do you wait on this guy? Coming up tomorrow, we will let you know three players for the third round and beyond for the Tennessee Titans. Fun who, who we want on this roster for day two and beyond. We'll give you those predictions and picks tomorrow. Hutton once hit on Johnu Smith. 
I hit on Laurel Murchison last year. I don't know if Chad's ever hit. I on. hit on Darrington Evans last year. I'm going to hit tomorrow. We <laughs> Stay we will. <laughs> It's happening. Chad hits tomorrow. Just like Liam Eichenberg is going to be a Colt, <laughs> I'm going to tell you who's going to be a Titan tomorrow. Get we'll, ready. We will get into that. We will also, uh, during the Tennessee hour, recap what happens with the Nashville Predators and set up a massive matchup against Dallas. All of that and more, plus the very latest NFL draft headlines and discussion right here on Outkick 360. Stop blocking the box. Don't go into an intersection Unless you know when the light changes, there's room to clear it. And lock it locks. There are a lot of acid heads out there.